Hi, this is Hafsi Bunu, your host for this show. Thank you for tuning in to Evolve with me. On today's episode, I have here with me Mr. Femi Odutola, the founder of Bevel Plexus. Bevel Plexus is an innovative financial solutions company that operates in the crypto space. So I thought to have him here to answer all our commonly asked questions about the crypto market. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Hafsi. Thank you very much. Uh, no, the thanks is ours, Femi. You know, I find it really impressive to see all that you've been able to accomplish with your businesses. You've managed to turn every negative experience in your life into a positive one. And that, by definition, is what an entrepreneur is. So give us some background. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Um, I think it's one that I've really struggled to you know, nail down if it's nurture versus nature, right? So I also grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So I, I saw both of my parents, you know, go to their own establishment and create opportunities for several others. So I think to some extent, maybe that that formed um, my expectation of what life and income earning would look like. But also just trying to create a better outcome for myself and, and looking through statistics, looking through situations of so many others before before us, I realized that, you know, to get to financial freedom that, that matters to some of us, we're going to have to do something a bit different. And so that's where, you know, investing a little bit more and taking a little bit more risk as far as business, you know, came into being for me. I love hearing from entrepreneurs and how they've managed to cut loose from the shackles of employment. <laughs> anyway, tell us a little bit more about what you do at Bevel Plexus. Okay, so uh, Bevel Plexus, um, we're a payment company. We started out in 2018 processing um, tuition payment for international students here in Canada. And since then, we've expanded our um, services to include, you know, tuition payments to other parts of the world, including the United Kingdom and the United States. Um, we also provide remittance um, services for families here in Canada to be able to uh, facilitate transactions back to their loved ones uh, in, in Nigeria. How did you find yourself in the crypto space? Because at the time, I feel like most people were thinking the crypto market was just a dodgy place to be. It sounded like it was too good to be true. Um, so I think what I'll say is education plays a big role in, in understanding that. So I took, I, I was the same way, I think four years ago when I first got exposed. Um, in fact, I remember my, one of my earliest encounters, uh, I was in LA with my mom in a cab. And I think Bitcoin at the time was less than a thousand dollars. And this was around the time that MMM, you know, was a big thing in Nigeria. And so the cab driver was telling us about, you know, uh, crypto. And I, in my mind, I just told my mom, mom don't mind this guy. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's saying. And, you know, this thing is, 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 uh, is, is risky, it's just a scam, right? And, you know, look how life turned out. Um, a lot of what we do today is based on the blockchain. And I think the difference between Femi of that time and now is just taking the time to understand what the technology really means. There's obviously a lot of risk associated with it, but the moment you understand um, what the technology can solve and, and on all its use cases, I think it changes your perspective a little bit and you, you take an increased appetite for adoption. 
I think to accept the crypto market, you first have to understand it. And the first step in understanding is actually being open-minded. Because sometimes when we're ignorant, we can it works against us. I admit a few years ago, um, I was quite ignorant. My younger brother, Shaib, tried to get me to put in about $200 into Ethereum. And I have no idea why I didn't because I had absolutely nothing to lose. And if I had done that, by now my money would have at least been at the bare minimum at about fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 So I still find myself kicking myself in the foot. And when I think about the reason why, it really was just about being ignorant. But let's simplify it for the people that actually want to understand but don't. So you know how with the stock market, we understand that we're investing in a company that's going to use your money to further develop their business. And that is what drives up value. So how does it work with the crypto market? What drives value? Um, yeah, so I think the easiest way that I could explain that is utility. Utility is what drives value here. Um, so a lot of times, and to date is well over, I think, 9,000 different cryptocurrencies and probably more than half of them have very little utility. But when you think about some of the big ones, like uh, Bitcoin, for example, and you think about countries like Nigeria, where we're from, and just the lack of access to, you know, um, financial inclusion, you start to imagine how that can change things, right? So a company, not to not to plug Bevelplexus, right? But even a company like Bevelplexus, the way we've been able to solve some of the payment challenges is by heavily leveraging on cryptocurrencies, right? Where access to um, liquidity in the foreign exchange markets are very limited. So Nigeria, for example, has very stringent currency controls on USD and foreign foreign uh, exchange supplies. And immediately start to see that we had access to a more globalized, more decentralized um, instrument like Bitcoin. Maybe we can then become connected to the rest of the world, at least to have a better chance at financial inclusion. And so the more people start to wake up to that reality that this could be the a way um, for countries that are disconnected or at least not um, as included in, in the financial services in the world to have access to that, then it means we're introducing new players. And the more new players have been introduced, the more utility. You know, So I think today many people still see cryptocurrency as, as a speculative investment, and, and that's probably fair. But in countries that actually need it, it's more than that. It's actually a useful means of facilitating transactions. And so the more those transactions grow and more people trust um, the, the technology as a means to facilitate those transactions, you start to see increased value. You start to see increased prices and that's kind of where the return comes in. Um, so it's really difficult for a lot of us in the West and you know, in the US, Canada and so on and so forth to really grasp that because we don't have too many use cases right now for for the blockchain other than protecting our, our wealth and maybe even growing our wealth as, as well. But in countries like Nigeria, India, Zimbabwe, and other parts of Africa, it is really a means to an end. It's a way to connect to the rest of the world. Um, so I think that's kind of where we see some of the um, fastest growing use cases. That's interesting. I find it quite ironic that we, the ones that need it the most, are the ones most skeptical about it. Because when you think about it, it's not much different than paying 500 naira for $1. Just that instead of getting a dollar, you're getting a virtual currency. 
because we do use these we do use these coins for real transactions using the example of your business where you use the technology of crypto to pay for things as real as tuition i mean there can't be a more real application than that right anyway getting back to the matter at hand in my last episode i was talking about how about the rapid growth spurts that we see in the crypto market but what that tells me is that it's a volatile market because just as quickly as it goes up it can come crashing right back down so given that volatility would you say it's better to go and make your quick returns and get out where you're investing in one well performing coin or to spread your funds across multiple different coins so that you can reduce your exposure that's a very tough question because i don't know if it's better uh, per se i think it's what is what you're comfortable with so what i do is what i can speak to um i definitely make sure that i have a properly diversified portfolio so um my my positions are weighted appropriately across different different assets um the other thing that i do especially when i'm i'm making swing trades here and there um i make sure that i use my stop losses quite a lot right so that that helps a lot with the risk so stop loss allows you to set you know just like it works a little bit like a limit uh and maybe some of this uh, some of the, some of this might be too much information too soon but it allows you to set prices that you want to get in and get out of certain positions right um and so you can kind of set you know if 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 prices hit a certain price and it drops below you know 2% that price or however many percentage points close my entire position uh, you know you can do things like that so even if you're not present you know at, at the time of that market um pricing your positions can still be closed or open depending on how, however way you set them to take advantage of those swings or at least to protect you from those drops right so for me i do a lot of research as to entry points and exit points in terms of pricing um looking at technical analysis and then i de-risk those trades even more by using my stop losses cuz things can swing very quickly the same way things go up 40% they could come down 40% right so and the market never closes so that could happen while you're asleep and it's 8 a.m. somewhere else so those are the things that i'm always trying to do to limit my risk do all the platforms have this stop loss feature some platforms are more advanced in the features that they provide for for traders some are built more for ease of use i don't know i think the coinbase pro has different features but generally speaking for um coinbase and a few other ones that are just mobile friendly apps they just allow you to buy at spot price so that's the current market price you don't really get to set um your you know limit pricing and things like that ah okay so given that you have the option to either do day trading or to make longer term investments how would you advise someone trying to make a decision to pick a path what are the things you need to consider before you choose which works better for you yeah so i i think in terms of what strategy works best i think that depends on you know i think risk tolerance as well as what you know the goals are for each individual 
So I would definitely say, you know, anyone looking to make those decisions should consult with like an expert investment advisor or just really properly examine their own situation. But personally, I use different strategies. So I am a long-term holder in some cases. So I identify assets that I think are undervalued relative to what they could be. And then I, you know, take positions there long-term. And then in the short term, I think that there's quite a number of opportunities in the market as well for, you know, swing trades or day trades. Um, so with that, I'm looking at different technical analysis to give me indicators as to, you know, if something is overboard or over oversold and just try to, you know, get in, get in at the right time and exit at, you know, close to the right time as possible to take profit. Okay. Okay. So uh, another really interesting habit I've seen of new investors or buyers is panic buying and selling. So the minute they see a coin start to rise in value, they, they rush to buy. And the minute it starts to dip, even in the slightest, they rush to sell, which isn't always the best idea. So what I advise do you have for those people that are making some of these mistakes, if you will? So I think education is important, right? So understanding why you got into the asset in the first place, there will be ebbs and flows and, and all sort of movement and you expect that to happen. But if you have done proper research, both fundamental analysis as to why should there be long-term appreciation for the asset that you've gotten in, um, then you can kind of use that to ride short-term fluctuations. At the same time, if you're you know, looking at technical analysis or you, you're reading support levels, resistance levels, you know, moving averages and whatever other indicators that give you an edge, then you can take a more rational approach to, you know, to your positions and taking profit. So generally you want to be, what's is a fearful when everyone is greedy and, and vice versa. So I think that's kind of the approach that I would recommend as well. Like you want to, when everyone is selling off, if you think that there's some value in that asset, it's probably a good time to buy or uh, a time to consider buying anyway. And um, when everyone is a lot of FOMO and people rushing in, and if you think that reality is no more, is no longer strongly aligned with the price of an asset, and you know people are just pushing the prices up to unrealistic heights, then maybe you want to consider taking some profits or getting out of the position. But um, yeah, there, there are definitely different tools and analysis you can do to give you a better insight. You're absolutely right. Because once you identify where your end game is, whether it's long or short term, you're able to ride out those um, temporary setbacks. For me, the investments I've made, for example, in the, in the stock market, where they're for long-term investments, I go weeks, sometimes months without checking on it. And honestly, I it, it gives me more peace of mind. I don't need to be raising my blood pressure by panicking every time I see a dip. So yeah, moving on to my next question. So currently with the new bans that are in Nigeria, how are people able to trade? Can people trade in the crypto market? It definitely caused a very short-term halt in 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 trading in nigeria but what, what we quickly saw in the space was it opened up a whole new channel for innovation 
right? So prior to now, um, the ways to kind of trade crypto in Nigeria was through centralized exchanges. So, you know, one big exchange providing all the buying and sell volume. So you're not really dealing with other individuals, you're dealing with the exchanges directly and their order books. And so what we've seen a lot of them do is they've pivoted into a peer-to-peer approach, which makes it extremely difficult to regulate now. And so what that looks like is to think about a marketplace where people can post and, you know, post their trades. So buy and sell trades um, and offers. So half city and Femi looking to execute a trade um, would just go on any exchange and half city will post a trade saying I have 0.4 Bitcoin to sell at this rate. And Femi comes online and says, okay, that's good for me. Um, I would say I would send you the Naira equivalent and then you send me the BTC equivalent and the exchanges kind of just hold the funds in escrow, like the crypto in, ex, in, in escrow, right? So that everybody is safe and everybody feels confident in, in the system. And so, of course, they kind of sanitize that through, you know, reviews and ratings and things like that. So there's still a lot of volume ongoing in that space today. Um, and I think ultimately what's going to happen is the regulators are going to come back to the table and see, okay, instead of an outright ban, how do we provide um, regulation that sanitizes the space in a way that we're comfortable with? Can you give us some names of some of the companies that you've worked with that you feel are quite reliable? Not quite <laughs> fully reliable. <laughs> I'm going to share the ones that I use and the ones that we work with very closely as a company. Um, so we use Quidax, so Q-U-I-D-A-X. They're, they're very good friends of ours at Bevel Plexus. Um, very reputable as well and strong volumes to support their, their, their existence. Um, but I've also used in the past Bycoins. Um, Bycoins is another very good platform that people trade. I know that there is Bundle Africa. There's quite a ton of them, you know, coming up. Uh, Yellow, I think Yellow Card Financial is another one. So there's there's a few, um, but but I think two of the top ones that I know personally and I've used personally are Quidex and, and Bycoins. I think the best part of that is you're protected. You're not handing your money over directly to anybody. So if anything goes wrong, you know you can get your money back, right? Yes, that's correct. So they would typically hold the coins in escrow. So you, can, you, can, you can't post a trade for something that doesn't exist. So you'd, you'd, have, you'd have deposited your coins and it'll be held in escrow. And then I would, the buyer at least would have to send you um, payments directly uh, through your specified payment channel. And typically they'll say, don't, don't put anything crypto or Bitcoin on the, on the narration at the bank so that you don't get flagged or anything like that. But once that's done and both buyer and seller agrees that funds have been made and funds have been received, then they release the, 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 the coins in escrow to, to the buyer. And so it's something that works. Um, you know, it's definitely facilitated a lot of transactions still. Um, and, and people are going on about their lives with, with those transactions. Assuming I don't want to deal with any of these middlemen, is there another way I can transfer money? Perhaps using your business, Bevel Plexus. Is that a service you could provide? Yes, we can definitely make arrangements for, for people like that as well. Um, a lot of, you know, they call it OTC, over-the-counter trading. Um, a lot of that happens, you know, for especially for large volume 
buyers because when people are trying to buy several hundred thousands of dollars of crypto, uh, they don't really want to put that through an ex exchange because of price slippages and things like that. Um, they don't want to change the price dynamics on an exchange. So they want to go into deeper liquidity where the $100,000 doesn't move the market. But that notwithstanding, we do provide such services um, as a, when requested to, to customers. Is there a minimum amount of money that I need to transfer if I'm using your services? No, um, we, we really believe in financial inclusion for everybody. Um, so when people call, we, we try to service them in the best we can for whatever their request is. Um, because what we want to do is make sure that they have access to the same things that everybody else has access to across the world. I think that's really admirable. The fact that you're trying to be inclusive of everybody because those smaller transactions may not necessarily be the most profitable for you so kudos <laughs> um so starting off i assume that you must have made some very costly mistakes there's one that currently comes to mind i'm sorry for bringing up such a sour experience or memory but i know you lost a good amount of money by making the wrong choice in an exchange so I'd like you to highlight, so I'd like you to share that experience with our listeners so they can avoid making the same mistakes. Yeah, that's actually a very, it triggers me every time I think about it because it's still, it's still a litigious um, situation, um, still, still in the court. So I don't know how much of it I can comment on, but generally I think one of the things that I took away from that is the ability to pick out the right exchanges, right? Because it's still very new. I mean, there's been a lot of adoption now than, than four or five years ago. But one of the things we, we've learned from that is because there's still very, there's still very, this is still a very unregulated space. There's still a lot of bad actors. Um, in that particular instance, the one you're referring to, it was the biggest exchange uh, in Canada at the time. Uh, lots of, we had lots of assets stored on there. And then one day, the founder was claimed to have gone to India and died and nobody knew who it was again and it went away with all the access. And it's today it's really hard to even fathom that, that it's possible for, you know, the largest exchange in Canada at the time to just go down with, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars in, in customers' assets. But um, that's, that's essentially what happened. And so the takeaway from that is one, you want to make sure that your assets are properly protected. Um, so, you know, we, we now do things like having cold storages where we store some of those assets ourselves. So cold storage is like um, a hardware wallet. So it's not stored in an exchange. You can move your assets offline into a hardware device. So you control the storage of that, um, of that asset. The drawback of that is it acts essentially like a physical wallet. So your purse or your, your wallet, you know, if you have money in there and you misplace your wallet and no one's able to give it back to you, what that means is that money is gone forever. So that's the downside of moving off uh, the, the custody of your assets into your, own, into your own hands. So you're making the decision as to do I want to store this on an exchange and trust the custodial um, nature of the exchange to take care of this, or do I want to store this myself and make sure that in the course of moving apartments or homes that I don't misplace my, my wallet or I don't misplace this, the keys 
because then you won't be able to access it. But I think it's one that we're more comfortable taking now. And but we still need exchanges and I still work very, very closely with exchanges. And so one of the things that we do now is before we even work with any exchange, I'm very lucky that I have the opportunity to, to interact with a lot of the, the CEOs of some of the top exchanges, both here in Canada and in Nigeria. So we meet very frequently. We have discussions every now and then we involve them in our plans and they involve them in our, in, they involve us in theirs as well. So we're able to kind of keep a finger on the pulse as how things are going um, and avoid situations like the one that happened with the other companies. So it's just something that I would advise people to pay more attention to um, as they make these decisions um, because it could be very costly. I know there's one that came up in, in Turkey recently where another, another founder, another CEO was said to have absconded with over a billion dollars of customers' funds. So those, those are some of the risks that are inherent when you're dealing with uh, in an unregulated space as cryptocurrencies. Um, Sammy, I don't know if that's reassuring because what you're telling me is the biggest exchange in a whole country turned out to be fraudulent. So, so how are we supposed to be able to pick out what a good exchange to work with would be? Is there something that you can add to that that can at least, you know, shed some hope and light onto the situation? Yeah, so, I mean, so some of the things that I now obviously, you know, obviously in hindsight is um, if it's a private company, you want to kind of look into the ownership structure. Uh, you know, if the ownership structure is not, you know, strong enough or not redundant enough in terms of contingency arrangements where they have a strong board of directors, they have a founder with, you know, vast experience in the space. It's something to probably be a bit concerned about. Now, some of the biggest players in the space today are, I know Coinbase just went public, right? Um, that would send a strong signal to the market that they've gone through the stringent requirements of the SEC you know, they've, their reporting requirements have been submitted to the Securities Commission that they have um, insurance and contingent arrangements and things of that nature. So I think those are the kind of companies you should be looking to if you want to continue to leave your funds on the exchanges. That should be the minimum requirement that, you know, you know the people behind these exchanges, that they have a strong support system. Um, in the other company, they, none of that existed, but most people didn't really realize that because you know, you're know you depositing funds, you're taking funds out, you're carrying, you're carrying out the nature of what you came there to do. So it's not something that you really think about until you start getting to, okay, wait, why can't, why is my withdrawals taking two weeks? <laughs> you know, and, and so on and so forth. So that, that was quite the experience. Um, you know, uh, it's still, it's still ongoing case in the court, but, uh, you know, like anyone's guess is as good as mine as to how that pans out. So it's safe to assume that your choice in an exchange or platform they use will be the most important decision you make starting off. Um, currently, I know the biggest one in Nigeria is Binance and I use Crypto.com. Would you say those are good platforms, safe? So I use I use Binance quite a lot as well. Um, I know crypto.com just came on the scene. So they, you know, um, I haven't really used them as much, but I heard good reviews so far. Um, Binance is probably the biggest in the space, but they are not public. 
And so that still presents its own challenges. Um, but they, they are big enough that, you know, they have deep liquidity, they invested heavily in the space, and they have a very strong um, social presence that, you know, you can kind of take that for what it is. Um, so I use Binance quite a lot, um, you know, but even with that, you're still kind of making those decisions as to, uh, you know, do I leave my assets on the exchange or do I move them offline? Um, now it's kind of like a contingent contingency thing for me. Some of those assets are still offline and the ones, depending on your trading, your trading style, it doesn't even make sense to be switching between an offline wallet and the exchange. So you kind of have to just bite the bullet on on the risk that you're taking there. Are there any other considerations that we need to take into account when we're deciding? So the, choosing between different exchanges comes down to a, number, a variety of different um, considerations. One, the fees are different from exchange to exchange. Depending on your deposit fees, your withdrawal fees, and trading fees, um, some exchanges might be cheaper than others. Um, so that's something to look into because, you know, each percentage, uh, additional percentage in fees can really affect your bottom line. Um, the other thing you want to look at too is how much liquidity is on those exchanges, right? So that's the volume of assets that are traded. Can, are they good for any buy and sell orders that, that may come up on the exchange? Um, some of the other things you also want to consider would be how many assets do they have? So Binance has a wide array of different cryptocurrency assets. Coinbase, because they are more scrutinized, uh, they would take a little bit of a you know, safer approach to listing different coins. So where Binance might have, I don't know, 2,000 different coins listed on their platform. I don't know if that number is correct. I'm just throwing a number out there. Coinbase might have less than 100, right? Because they would be more... Um, they will take a little bit more effort and approach to listing coins that they think may fall short of regulatory compliance, where Binance can, you know, they, they'll put, they have a little bit more leeway because of their uh, regulatory oversight not being as strong. The common theme in pretty much all your answers is do your research, do your homework. So where did you... Where, where do you go to do your homework? What resources would you, would you use? What websites can you recommend? Because, you know, we can find random pieces of information on the internet. So I want to make sure that we at least have a reliable source of information coming from somebody that's experienced in the field. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will share some, some resources, but uh, just some quick ones here, depending on where you are. Um, if your listeners are in Nigeria, like I said, Quidax is, is a big place to start. Um, and a lot of these guys also have like blog posts where you can kind of pick up on information. Um, you know, Bitcoins, like I said, is another exchange. But I'm always reading the news as well. So Coindesk is, is somewhere that I'm on every day. Um, Coin Market uh, cap. I think most people in the space are familiar with that. It's like the Yahoo Finance of pricing and, you know, availability and places to buy. I think Coin Market Cap actually is where you want to start. It has all information about pretty much every useful coin in the world today. The supply, the pricing, um, changes in price over the last twenty-four days, seven hours, uh, sorry, twenty-four hours, seven days, and things like that. Um, 
And then, you know, if you're in Canada, exchanges that you can use are, you know, Bitvo, uh, Coinbase, CoinSquare. There are quite a few of them. Um, but I think the consideration to make, like I mentioned earlier, is do your research as to the people behind these companies, how long they've been in existence for, um, the policies that they have for secure, securitizing consumers' funds, and have they had any prior like audits or things like that that puts them in a negative light? You want to pay very close attention to that. Their board of directors, if you if you have access to that information, is, is great because most people that have uh, most reputable people don't want to associate their names with things that are not like you know that that have no credibility. So that's something I'll definitely be looking out for, and that's coming from experience dealing with my my previous. Uh, um, debacle. Thank you so much, Femi. I hate to see the episode coming to an end, but I just want to say thank you for taking the time and for answering all my questions really well, for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us at no cost. <laughs> and um, I look forward to having you back on the podcast in the future, probably for a more in depth discussion on crypto or to discuss entrepreneurship. We'll see how it goes. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to coming back whenever, for sure. As for you listeners, please make sure you hit the subscribe button and please leave your comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts instead of sending them to my DMs. It really helps in promoting the podcast so more people can get access to this information. Remember, a wealthier Nigeria is a happier and safer Nigeria.